Hello, thank you for listening to this podcast. My name's Stephen Cook. I'm the team rector of the Northmore Team Ministry in Devon. And this is a message for Advent Sunday 2021. In 1995, Tim LaHaye and his co-author Simon Jenkins published the book Left Behind. It's a post-apocalyptic adventure story based around the idea of the rapture an extrapolation of a few verses in the Bible which seem to suggest that as a preliminary to Jesus coming again some people will be raptured, simply disappear leaving others wondering what has happened. What if it happened when you were on a plane? What if the pilot was one of those taken? That's the basis of the book which turned out to be the first of no less than 16 and a movie starring Nicolas Cage. And as you can imagine, it earned its authors a huge fortune. I can remember well before those books were written, turning up to a church meeting to find the doors locked and just one other person, a rather earnest evangelical, waiting outside. We agreed that we'd both probably come to the wrong venue. Unless, my companion said, they've all been taken and we have been left behind. I felt a cold shiver down my spine. I just wish I'd thought to write a book about it. There have been so many attempts to scour what the Bible says about the end of the world and put it together into some sort of coherent structure. It's a constant source of fascination to try and line up present day events with those predicted in the Bible. Did you know, for example, that the address of Trump Tower is 666? Fifth Avenue, New York, the number of the beast in Revelation. No? Did you know if you add up the letters of Hillary and Bill Clinton using their middle names as well, with A equals 1, B equals 2, etc., you get, guess what, 666. Well, actually, neither of those is true. Trump Tower is 625 Fifth Avenue, and I have no idea about the Clintons, but I got you interested for a second. And why let the truth spoil a good biblical conspiracy theory? People have been doing that kind of thing for centuries. And now with Twitter and YouTube, anyone could be a prophet of the apocalypse. Maybe that's why we've grown a little dull in our expectations. And each year as Advent Sunday comes around, and we have the kind of readings we do about the future of the world, we tend to put them into the too-hard-to-deal-with box at the back of our minds. We know it's part of our faith to believe that one day Jesus will come again, but honestly. I was a bit disillusioned just recently to find that Captain T. Kirk has only actually been into space for about 10 minutes. I grew up watching Star Trek boldly going where no man has been before, first with James Kirk at the helm and then later Jean-Luc Picard. They portrayed a future in which the challenges of humankind had been overcome by technology and the final frontier, the last barrier to be crossed, was out there in space seems a very optimistic view of the future now, but back then it didn't seem so far-fetched. Maybe we really could overcome all our problems with technology. This week the launch of NASA's asteroid-nudging rocket made me feel that the danger of a giant rock hitting us over a hundred years from now seemed like the least of our worries. Would we even be here in a hundred years? So we're not unused to the idea that the world will end. In fact, even more than our ancestors, we're aware that the Earth and its ecosystems are fragile and could easily reach 
a tipping point from which there will be no return. I've had this possibility laid before us so many times in so many ways that as a danger we'll just close our minds to it. But we are people of hope, not gloom. Last week we were celebrating Christ the King Sunday. We believe that in spite of everything God is in control, that God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and to the thirsty God will give to drink the water of life. So here are three th positive things the message of Advent Sunday tells us we should do. The first is be ready. This seems to be the main thrust of the biblical teaching on this matter. Wake up, don't be asleep, be prepared. But how can you possibly be prepared for the end of the world? It feels like those warning signs you sometimes see, beware low flying aircraft. What are you supposed to do about that? Actually, perhaps that isn't such a silly comparison, because although you can't stop it happening, you can at least make sure you're not surprised if an aircraft flies low over your head. When you see these things happening, do not be alarmed, said Jesus. While everyone else might be running around like headless chickens, his followers will be prepared. And above all, they would know that this is actually a beginning, not an ending that God is in control. Because we have confidence and faith, we can be a non-anxious presence in an anxious world. Being prepared involves some fairly obvious things, the kind of things you probably want to do anyway. It means doing the things you know you should do and not putting them off. Keeping short accounts, being quick to forgive, letting people know that you, that you love them, turning earthly treasure into heavenly treasure. So what do you need to do to take seriously this teaching to be prepared, to be ready? Second thing is be watchful. We're encouraged to look for the signs. Jesus said he did not know the day and the time of the end of the world and if he didn't I'm not sure how that all those who have tried to predict it since think they know better than he did. The signs he gave, wars and rumours of wars, etc., are very general and have occurred in every century since. He wanted people to know that this was going to happen and they shouldn't be alarmed. It didn't mean that God had forgotten or that the plan had gone wrong. This is what had to happen. But, he says, when you see the fig tree budding, you know that summer is near. The way I've understood this, as I've thought about it this week, is if you look, you can see signs of God at work. Even in dark, gloomy times, when things are hard and everything feels like an uphill struggle, if you look beneath the surface, you can find signs of hope. Just like the sap is rising in the fig tree and showing signs as it begins to bud, so if you look, you can find signs of hope, even in the dark times, and even in unexpected places. We are to be people who watch. What signs of God at work have you seen today, this week? Think about it. Maybe we're not looking carefully enough. 
Thirdly, be hopeful. Being hopeful is different to being cheerful or looking on the bright side or thinking it might not happen. It's more than optimism. I think you can be sad and pessimistic, but still hopeful. Our hope is not hope that, but hope in. I've heard other people say that and thought it was a bit of a cliche, but thinking about it again, I think there's something profound there. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees us for? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Paul's life and writing were dominated by that blinding vision he had on the road to Damascus. In spite of everything that he endured afterwards, in spite of all the beatings and imprisonments and setbacks, he held on to that light and that voice that had changed his life. And you and I are called to hope for what we do not see. Optimism is seeing what might happen and thinking we might get there. Hope is not being able to see a way forward, but believing that one exists. Our hope is based on the one who calls us. And if we've lost hope, it's because we've lost our sense of calling. And the way forward is not to chide ourselves, but to rediscover our connection with the calling one. We're not called to be cheerful, but we are called to hope and to be a source of hope in a world that's losing it. So, what do you need to do to regain your sense of hope? This is the Sunday we light the first Advent candle and it feels as if the journey toward Christmas has properly begun. From the beginning of time this eternal plan of salvation was in place. God's love for us is so great that there is an answer to our greatest need. Not the one people were expecting, but a child in a manger. And in expectation of that, we are to be ready. We are to be watchful. And we are to be a people of hope. May God bless this word to us. Amen.